Hello and welcome back to P Towers and a Happy New Year to you all. Well my friends, we're starting series six today. Who would have thought that when I started reading out my cringe-worthy haiku back in series one, that six years on, Poetry P would have grown to have so many things to offer you. Journals, YouTube channel, monthly submissions, prompts, readings, workshops, poems by our wonderful Jin nominated for awards, and indeed, shortlisted for the Touchstone Haiku Foundation Awards. Well, of course, this year we're going to add new things to offer you, but I'll talk about that in the not too distant future. So here we are in a brand spanking new year. Do you have resolutions? What sort of thing have you come up with? Email me, inspire me with your ideas, because I don't really do them. And having said that, my children were having a look at my social media while they were home for Christmas, and they've decided that it's really quite a tragic offering. I know, tragic, it was cruel, wasn't it? But anyway, as a result of that, they have set me a goal for this year. They've told me they would like to see 5,000 followers in my Twitter account, at the Poetry P, and my Instagram account, at PLogic, in six months' time. Six months. It's a bit of a journey. But that's where you come in. If you haven't joined me already on those platforms, please do. And if you have, please tell your friends to join me. It's quite easy. You can go along to the show notes or you can just go to the website and click on the links. And that way you'll find me too. But as I said, I have six months to get my numbers up and become less of an embarrassment to my children. So please help. So now I've done my begging, let me remind you what you should be doing and submitting at Poetry P this month. First of all, go and have a listen to the last podcast of Series 5. It was with Alison Whipple and she did a wonderful presentation which tells us how to incorporate food as our Kigo in haiku. And that's what we're expecting this time. Food, Kigo in our haiku. Send your haiku, no more than 10 please, and definitely no fewer than four, by the 15th of the month, in order to be considered for the podcast. And of course, the first journal of this year. And it's a busy month, because of course our monthly video prompts are back, and they're out on YouTube. All you have to do is go along to the Poetry P YouTube channel, and you'll find my video a little adventure one from South Africa. Leave your wonderful poetry in the comments section and Linda will read everything and she'll make a judgment as to who will be featured on the podcast and in the journal. And of course, in January, we have a call out for Haibun. From the 16th to the 31st, you can send us your Haibun. So it's a busy month. And if you'd like a reminder, just sign up for our mailings because I tend to send out a mailing to remind everybody what they should be up to during the month. Traditionally, on the first podcast of the new year, I read some long-form poetry. And this time, I thought I'd give it a twist. Because I'd like to challenge you 
for the month of March. To have a read, to listen obviously, but then to have a read of these poems and see where your imagination takes you and write haiku and senryu inspired by them. Don't worry if you're not immediately inspired. Like I said, the poems will be on the show notes and you can go back to them anytime before the beginning of March and read and get inspired and enthused by them. Shall we have a little listen to the poems I've chosen for you? So the first poem is by Robert Frost, Stopping by Woods on a Snowy Evening. Whose woods these are, I think I know. His house is in the village, though. He will not see me stopping here to watch his woods fill up with snow. My little horse must think it's queer to stop without a farmhouse near, between the woods and frozen lake, the darkest evening of the year. He gives his harness bells a shake to ask if there is some mistake. The only other sounds the sweep of easy wind and downy flake. The woods are lovely, dark and deep, but I have promises to keep, and miles to go before I sleep, and miles to go before I sleep. And when I was reading this, it spoke to me of a conflict, a conflict of responsibility versus desire, and another conflict, one about time, We never have enough of it, do we? And it's so precious. You'll hear this theme in all the poems I have for you today. And of course, I love the idea that this poem was set absolutely within a season. And it's clearly winter. So I had a go at creating a haiku inspired by this poem, just to give you an inkling of what I'm asking you to do. This was my first effort, my rough draft. Halfway up the hill, the car's wheels slide in the snow, alone and wet. Halfway up the hill, the car's wheels slide in the snow, alone and wet. I don't think I've captured the essence of the poem in this version. The last two lines of Frost's poem are haunting, aren't they? And I don't think my haiku has that yet. But you know what? I'll be interested to read where this poem takes you. And of course, you may decide not to set your poem in winter. So next we have Today by Billy Collins. It's writing a little bit later, obviously, than Robert Frost, but still 20th century. If ever there were a spring day so perfect, so uplifted by a warm, intermittent breeze that it made you want to throw open all the windows in the house and unlatch the door to the canary's cage, indeed, rip the little door from its jam, a day when the cool brick paths and the garden bursting with peonies seemed so etched in sunlight that you felt like taking a hammer to the glass paperweight on the living room end table, releasing the inhabitants from their snow-covered cottage so they could walk out, holding hands and squinting into this larger dome, blue and white. Well, today is just that kind of day. I chose this poem because for me it speaks of the absolute joy of a spring day. And it celebrates nature, doesn't it? 
Billy Collins has given us so many images and metaphors to celebrate his chosen season. He's used alliteration, assonance, hyperbole to create, at least for me, a feeling of bliss. How simple his words are, but so carefully chosen. It's such a joyful poem. How could you celebrate your chosen season? What sort of day makes your heart beat faster at the idea of just being alive? And now I'm going to read you a poem from Edward Thomas, written in 1914 when, coincidentally, he was on a train travelling to see his friend Robert Frost, who was living in England at the time. Who knew? Well, maybe you did, but I didn't. I was clueless. Until now. So here we go. Adelstrop by Edward Thomas. Yes, I remember Adelstrop, the name, because one afternoon of heat the express train drew up there unwantedly. It was late June. The steam hissed. Someone cleared his throat. No one left and no one came on the bare platform. What I saw was Adelstrop, only the name. And willows, willow herb and grass, and meadowsweet and haycocks dry, no whit less still and lonely fair than the high cloudlets in the sky. And for that minute a blackbird sang, close by, and round him, mistier, farther and farther, all the birds of Oxfordshire and Gloucestershire. How haiku-like is this poem, a snapshot of a moment of time, for that minute a blackbird sang. Thomas is again showing us what we can see if we just take the time, albeit in his case he was forced into that minute of quietude, that moment of stillness. When I read this poem it makes me want to write haiku, inspired by my memories. Maybe something like this about my hometown in the UK. Croydon the town survives despite the bombs. Croydon. The town survives despite the bombs. And I'm alluding to another poem there, and I'll put the link in the show notes. But perhaps when you read it, you think of something else. Maybe something that juxtaposes man and nature, stillness and movement. Do you know, I'm sure you'll have lots of wonderful ideas which will thrill and surprise me. Our next poem has a lot in common with the themes explored by our other poems today. It's Leisure by W. H. Davies. What is this life if, full of care, we have no time to stand and stare? No time to stand beneath the boughs and stare as long as sheep and cows? No time to see when woods we pass, where squirrels hide their nuts in grass. No time to see in broad daylight streams full of stars like skies at night. No time to turn at beauty's glance and watch her feet, how they can dance. No time to wait till her mouth can enrich that smile her eyes began. A poor life this if, full of care, we have no time to stand and stare. 
Perhaps this is a bit obvious in its contempt for the way we've allowed ourselves to be distanced from our environment, how we've become wrapped up in our hectic lives and miss the small treasures that are under our noses. And like the other poems, it does have a haiku feel about it. It has that seasonal reference. Don't you just love the image of the squirrel gathering its nuts for winter? Something I don't see in my Swiss garden, but I used to see in my London garden in the autumn. And take note of Davis's simple use of his language. There's nothing there highfalutin, is there? Nothing to distract us from the meaning. And after I read this, I went for a walk in the city of Zurich. And I wrote this. A Winter's Tale The girl in the pink coat speaks Italian. A winter's tale. The girl in the pink coat speaks Italian. Again, it's a rough draft, and I'm not entirely sure it works in places other than Zurich, maybe a few more. But I was, as I was wandering around the city, it was a very cold winter's day, and most of the people around me, and me included, were dressed in variations of black. Seems to be what we do here. But there was one little girl who stood out from the crowd, skipping along the street with her parents. And sure enough, as we passed her family by, they were speaking Italian rather than Swiss German. Let's have a bit of a recap. This is what I'd like you to do. Have a listen and have a read later to the poems. They'll all be on the show notes and see what, if anything, sparks your imagination to write a short-form poem. And I was thinking when I started out that perhaps we could write poems that are more contemporary in feel. After all, these poems were written in the last century, so there have been changes to life. Life moves so fast these days. But what I don't want to see is just a replica of the poem just have a think about what the poet's writing about, the themes they're writing about, and see how that fits into your life and what sort of story you can tell in your short-form poem. Surprise me. And so your challenge is to reimagine these poems in haiku or scenario form. Not rehashing them, but creating something unique, something of your own. And of course, if you're creating a haiku in particular, I want to see that seasonal image, that feel of season and what that brings to your haiku, what mood you create within the haiku. And as I've said time and time again, bring the poems up to date, bring them into a contemporary time. But take the advice from our poets. Take the time to watch what's going on around you and gather some inspiration from that using all the tools in your haiku box. We we talk endlessly about the craft of haiku, so I know you've got all those tools, the comparison, the contrast, bringing rhythm to your work, punctuating your work where it needs it, and, and, and you know what I'm looking for. Dazzle me with your brilliance, as you so often do. So that's it for this time. Don't forget to get your food kigos into the podcast by the 15th of January, and your Haibun submissions will open on the 16th of January and the deadline will be the 31st. Thanks so much for joining me this time and I look forward to chatting with you again soon.
until then, keep writing. And if I've left anything out of the show notes, just email me or, as we are now great friends on Twitter and Instagram, let me know via those platforms and I'll sort it out for you. Ciao!